This is the Rocky Mountain Review Podcast. I am your co-host, Gabe Peterson. And I'm your other co-host, Julia Badalese. This is the Rocky Mountain Review, the live news show that airs 4 to 5, Tuesday and Thursday, on KCSU that has turned into a podcast. And this is what you missed this week. I'm Julia Badalese. And I'm Gabe Peterson. And you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. And welcome to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am Julia Badalese, um, one of two co- one of two news directors here, um, but uh, the other one is out sick today. So we actually have our uh, national news correspondent, J.D. Layton, with us, who is actually our, I guess, future news director. So basically, Gabe... I'm like Gabe 2.0, except so. for slightly more attractive and slightly shorter. <laughs> I'm sure he really appreciates that. Um, we also have one of our reporters, Katie Otter, in the studio today. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and we have our local and community correspondent, Raven Color. That's me. I'm here. We got a lot of females in the studio today. It's very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, just to give a little rundown on what we have on the agenda today, we have our local news coming up first. Um, we'll be going through um, the Walmart shooter that is actually going on trial, as well as um, a little bit of... A flyer story. We've had a lot of uh, issues with flyers on campus that have been uh, controversial, um, and we have uh, Katie Otter did a special story on that. Um, we also, of course, will have sports and music later today. Um, funny enough, our field reporter Seth Bodine did the music segment today. Um, Again, this is the second time. The second in time. A row. He's really enjoying it. So uh, you know, props you know, to him. He cranks out some good stories though. So we'll let Seth do his thing. As well, we'll also, of course, have national news. Um, we're going to be talking a lot about Sacramento actually today um, there was a shooting um, a little earlier today um, at YouTube so we'll be talking about that Raven Raven will be getting into that a little bit more um, and we also um, have a special report from Sacramento actually my brother did because um, he works there and they've been having a lot of protests there so we'll be talking about that as well um, once again feel free to get involved in any of those discussions uh, we'll be discussing a lot today that number is going to be 970-491-5278 um, and then, yeah, we got weather weather later that everyone loves, and uh, no one can get anywhere else. Yay. It's true. We're the most reliable, credible source of weather out there. Mm-hmm. Is that so? In quotation marks. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to get straight into local news. Um, in a vote yesterday morning, Colorado's Republican-led Senate has voted against expelling a GOP senator accused of inappropriately touching a former legislative aide. According to the Associated Press, senators voted Monday to defeat the measure to expel Senator Randy Baumgartner, who represents a rural Northwest Colorado district. The Senate voted 11 to 17 on the measure to expel with with, um, opponents saying there wasn't enough evidence to merit an expulsion. A two-thirds majority is needed for an expulsion. After Baumgartner denied wrongdoing, an independent investigation was created and it determined that claims that Baumgartner harassed the former aide were credible. Democrats argued Baumgartner's punishment was too light and sent the wrong message to victims. Senator Lucia Guzman, the Democratic Senate uh, minority leader stepped down from that post last month, citing frustration with majority Republicans' handling of workplace harassment allegations. The accusations against Baumgartner have raised the total number of Colorado legislators accused of misconduct in recent months to five, reports KUNC-FM. That's, that's, a, a, that's a decent amount. That's a striking amount of legislators doing not great contact with people. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to put so, it lightly, yes. Yeah, no, uh... So they found evidence that he was guilty 
and then mm-hmm. they said there wasn't enough evidence to say that he could that just seems a bit strange yeah they... i guess i'm unsure if it was a, a the, one of the state senate investigations mm-hmm. or if it was more of a, a private because it did say private but i don't know yeah yeah quite that, what that entails that um npr news thing from the, this morning said that they put off the vote on it for like 48 days or something like that what so by the time they got to it like no one i don't want to say no one cared about it but it wasn't like an urgent mm-hmm. thing and then i think people were just willing <laughs> to kind of brush it off and move on to other stuff which kind of sucks but <laughs> I feel like that's often an issue with like um, with issues, I guess, where it's like if you wait a little bit too long, then it's like almost people don't care about it anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, which I think is something that we've brought up a lot with like the whole gun control debate right now, where it's just like if we like, I don't know, will it lose momentum kind of thing? Yeah. And I think that's also something that could be said about that. So um, anyway, let's get into our next local story. I'm going to send it over to Raven. The man who allegedly shot and killed three people in a Thornton Walmart last year was declared mentally competent to go to trial on Monday, reports Kirk Mitchell of the Denver Post. Scott Ostrom, 48, is being charged with six counts of first-degree murder and 30 counts of attempted murder after walking into a Walmart, pulling out a handgun, and killing three in November of 2017. Ostrom was evaluated at the Colorado Mental Health Institute in Pueblo, which determined he was mentally fit to be tried, but does not mean he cannot plead innocence on the grounds of mental insanity in a trial, according to Adams County District Attorney Dave Young. According to Ostrom's stepsister, Michelle Willoughby, uh, the dangerous and erratic behavior which she believes caused the fatal shooting last year can be tracked to a drug party in the 80s in which he ingested 16 doses of LSD. LSD is a powerful hallucinogenic drug which has been shown to cause long-term damage to the brain. She said despite hearing voices in his head, he never sought help from a medical professional and rather obtained advice from priests. Ostrom's preliminary trial is scheduled for June. 16 doses of LSD? In one, yeah, one party. I'm pretty sure I'd have thought I was an elephant for the rest of my life. There is... (laughs) Yeah. Is that so? Whoa! (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty hardcore. And it does have, like, I think the whole, like, bit with LSD is if you take it, you might have, like, another... It'll, like, hit you again, but, like, years later, but with so much. Because it affects weird, does weird stuff to your brain, Mm -hmm. um, like, permanently. Yeah. But I could imagine all of it all at once would really, oh, boy. 16. Where do you even find that much LSD? It was the 80s, man. I don't know. (laughs) But that's not even, like, prime LSD time. Like, not even prime LSD. Wow. Um, That is insane. And then rather than seek psychiatric help, he, he sought priest what what concerns me too is that i feel like at one point i mean well i don't know i feel like as a priest maybe at some point you should alert the authorities yeah be like hey yeah. man this guy's nuts this guy and literally violent. fried his brain on 16 doses of lsd like there's only so much i can do i'm sorry yeah, i feel like they yeah. have that obligation to hand that over yeah or at least as a priest strongly encourage him to go to an actual mental health professional yeah Jeez. for sure I'm sure the oh stories boy. must have been crazy, though. What? Of that, of, of that party? Of, of that party. That must have been just the most ridiculous party ever. Or maybe it was just oh. him and a keg alone and 16 doses of LSD. Yeah. And he's having a rough knew? year. <laughs> Who knows? All yeah. right. Well, uh, I'm going um, to send it over to Katie for our last local story. All right. All right. 
So last Wednesday night on March 28th, I was on campus here late, late at night. I was filming. <laughs> you, you, I'm sorry, really Go quick. Ahead. It sounds like you're setting up a scene for like a detective. I was on campus. <laughs> I was on late. campus. It was dark. It was late. <laughs> Not many people were around. Watch out. It's Katie Otter Noir. Only here on <laughs> do you have a good five. picture in your head? I do. French right. coat and all. Here we go. So I was on campus late. Um, I was filming the ACSU debates for CTV. Um, and so we were rolling our equipment back to Clark from the LSC around 9, 30, 10. And when, as we were doing that, a crew member um, I was with noticed a flyer hanging on one of, the bulletin, one of the many bulletin boards outside of Clark. And it had displayed a hooded KKK member with the Turning Point USA logo. Um, I just want to say right now we never confirmed this with uh, Turning Point USA. Um, so we have no idea. Yeah, they are affiliated with this at all. <clears throat> but after the we brought the equipment down and we started to leave, I uh, wasn't happy about what we saw. <laughs> so I kind of went around Clark and took them down. Um, I maybe took around ten or fifteen. There's also one in the BSB that I that I saw. Um, but this was the night before the campus-wide event CSU Night, mm. um, which took place uh, Thursday afternoon to demonstrate support and solidarity for students who have been affected by racially motivated attacks around campus this school year. Mm -hmm. um, I was not in attendance for most of that event due to traveling, um, but I did read Megan Stackpool's article from the Collegian. And the only interruption during that event was by Students Against White Supremacy, in which they took the stage to denounce white supremacy, hate crimes, turning point, and called out the CSU administration for being inactive in the, ra in the wake of racially motivated attacks. Mm. Um, to quote her, or actually, excuse me, to quote the speaker from Students Against White Supremacy, Erica Lafer, we will not unite under a false flag of unity with students who perpetuate white supremacy. Um, and I, that was seen in a video post by the group's Facebook page. Um, Turning Point USA is a self-described student movement for free markets and limited government and has come under fire in recent months as being an alt-right conservative group and has been also accused of having white supremacy ideals. Um, earlier in the semester, the group hosted Charlie Kirk, who is their founder, um, on campus, which sparked a lot of protest and counter-protest activity. Um, and according to Sackpool in that article, a letter was written to the Collegian by Turning Point's chapter president after CSU Unite, basically saying uh, they are saddened and disturbed that organizations like Students Against White Supremacy use the unifying platform of CSU Unite um, to spread false statements about their organization, Turning Point. Um, so... Yeah, that, uh, they also quoted as saying Turning Point USA at CSU stands for two pillars of limited government and free markets, no more, no less, and we invite any student who may disagree with our organization to engage in productive dialogue with our student leaders moving forward. So um, the morning after I found the flyers, I just reached out to a couple of or that <laughs> organizers of CSU Unite just to kind of let them know, like, I saw these last mm -hmm. night, and um, thankfully nothing turned violent during that event the yeah. next day um which i know a lot of people were kind of afraid about 
Mm-hmm. I I was. It was. Um, I went to the beginning of it at least. Yeah. Um, and it seemed pretty productive. They had a few speakers. Um, that were pretty pretty solid, pretty powerful. Um, and then we just marched towards uh, the Lori Student Center where they had um, people singing, and that's like about where I had to leave because I had okay. other things to do. Um, Did you see the demonstration go on by the students against white supremacy did you i don't think i did i also am very short so it was <laughs> it was hard to see most of the things that were going on yeah. i had to go a lot, a lot by like what i was hearing um but yeah. yeah i mean it csu night was i think a fairly productive event um i feel like it did provide a decent um you know platform for um promoting diversity here on campus um and i think you know it was pretty beneficial for a lot of people so definitely definitely a step in the right direction for mm. yeah i feel like i guess for me it just feels like a little too late honestly it would have been nice to have a response a lot earlier in, True. in the year rather than you know here we are at the right. end, end of the semester yeah yeah, is I'd... now coming together like, oh, hey, we got to address this after it's happened and I do many f- times. I agree with you a little bit, and I feel like it was at the urging of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the university's idea to do it on their own. Yeah. It was kind of after a lot of people had come to them, and yeah. then they're like, okay. And we did talk a lot about kind of the timeliness of yeah. it on Thursday, but I think the thing that's been really interesting is Turning Point USA's reaction mm-hmm. um, to the kind of takeover speakers uh at the the march um and i think it's an interesting question kind of whether or not you agree if turning point usa is a white supremacist group um they their events certainly do draw white supremacist groups to whatever campus they're on um and i think it's an interesting question what do you what you do with a group like that if you know they specifically aren't going out and doing these things but they are drawing people to your campus who are mm-hmm. um how do you respond to that yeah yeah it's, it's that's, a tough situation yeah that yeah. is a it is a difficult thing like i don't necessarily think turning point usa is is a white supremacist group but there it is undeniable that they uh tend to have some of the similar views that sort of draw white supremacist groups to them not necessarily mm-hmm. in the racially motivated category but with like economic policy and like immigration policy and things like that it can sort of uh, attract the less desirable aspects <laughs> of, of politics towards you and, and spread a lot of like hate speech. So I, I'm, I'm actually very curious to see if, if it was them who in turn put that up because I feel like that would definitely push it over the edge. It's like, okay, maybe these guys aren't necessarily the people they say they're, they are. Um, or if it was just another group sort of trying to pose a front with Turning Point USA as mm. the scapegoat. Right. For and sure. like, are they trying to make them look bad than they, or more worse than they already do? Are they trying to spark something by doing that? Or right. mm-hmm. we don't know. So, all right. Well, um, that is going to wrap up local news. I think we are going to take a quick break here, but we will be coming back with uh, national news, and we also have sports coming up pretty soon, um, as well as music later on. So, uh, yes, yeah, stay tuned. You are listening to the Rocky Mountain Review only here on ninety point five KCSU Fort Collins. Silent G here. Does Friday evening roll around and you realize you simply don't have a life? Maybe work has been dragging you down all week long? Perhaps you simply can't keep a healthy sleep schedule to save your life? Well, you're in luck. 
because the only real cure is jamming out to bands like Pup, Modern Baseball, and the Front Bottoms on the Work in Progress, Friday, 5 to 7, here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I am, I almost said my DJ name. I am um, one of two uh, news directors here. Um, I'm actually the only one in here today, um, I guess, besides our future news director, um, J.D. Layton. Hi. Oh, God. <laughs> um, we also just got our sports reporter, Bjorn Larson, in the studio. How's it going? Try again. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> um, as well as our reporter, Katie Otter. Um, and our local and community correspondent, Raven Color. Yep. Um, yeah, well, we are actually going to go into sports first, so I will send it over to Bjorn Larson. Yeah. Colorado State continued its outdoor track and field season with a trip to sunny Stanford, California, where distance runners completed, competed at the Stanford Invitational. Gerald Mott competed in his first meet since the 2017 cross-country season. In the 10,000 meters, Mock finished 10th with a time of 28.46. Senior Grant Fisher finished one spot behind Mock at 28.54. Mock and Fisher stand alone as the only Rams in program history to run a sub-29 minute 10,000 meters, and both have done it twice. The Rams' next stop is Boulder, Colorado, where the team will compete at the Colorado Invite hosted by the University of Colorado. The meet is scheduled for April 8th through 7th, or 7th through 8th. The Colorado State women's tennis team continued Mountain West play by hosting Utah State and Boise State in two matches last weekend. The Rams dropped both matches, losing to the Aggies 5-1 and Broncos 4-2. This was CSU's fourth consecutive loss in the past two weeks. The Rams look to improve their record in Mountain West play on the road against New Mexico on Friday and Air Force on Sunday. After losing two of three games to Fresno State, the Colorado State softball team came back this past weekend to win a non-conference series against the University of Kansas with two big offensive outings. Junior Bridget Hutton had a day to remember as she recorded a 12-inning win in the first game of the series, and the Rams put together timely scores to win two high-scoring games. The Rams softball team will play non- will play next on Tuesday, April 3rd, as they take on Northern Colorado for one game in Greeley. And that wraps up your sports for today. Thanks, Bjorn. Yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, that'll wrap up sports. Like Bjorn said, we are actually going to send it over to Raven. We are going to talk about the um, shooting that happened at YouTube. Yeah. So if you guys don't already know, there was an active shooter on the YouTube campus today. Um, that's in San Bruno, California, which is kind of a suburb of San Francisco. Um, it's a pretty big open air campus in this suburb. Uh, but there were reports of an active shooter. I've seen reports everywhere between 1245 and um, just past one. Um, so reports say that it was a woman, actually, who did the shooting, which really? is fairly uncommon. Um, she did. They found her body. Um, she killed herself after she shot people. There are reportedly four wounded uh, from this attack uh but there's no news on their condition yet mm, yeah um so far they don't believe that it's a terrorist attack but obviously they're still investigating um you know law enforcement tweeted right after they got reports of it happening 
Uh, the mayor of San Francisco said there were dozens of calls that they were getting. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, reports of dozens of, you know, fire units and police and stuff like that on the campus and tweeting out to make sure people were staying away. Um, there was a quote from somebody on the, I got all this from the Los Angeles times. There was quotes from people saying that there were so many people running off of the campus that some people thought it was an earthquake. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of all the information that we have so far. We're not really sure who she is, why she did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard one report that she showed up with a foot injury that she had been shot in the foot by herself or maybe somebody else, but, Weird. um, I haven't been able to confirm that obviously. Um, but yeah, kind of a weird one. So let, let's, let's just get the, the information like on, on bare bones. So it was a, a female shooter, mm-hmm. four injuries and the only fatality is herself. Herself so far that we know okay. of. they haven't released the condition of the four people who were shot. And previously the, um, LA times had reported that only two people were shot from an, um, a source from the law enforcement who was not authorized to be sharing information. Um, but they have had four people from the campus show up at medical centers in the area who mm. have been shot. So hmm. we don't know yet their condition. But yeah, it was fairly new because it happened, what, like an hour ago? Happened around one ish. Gotcha. Um, but I figure that must be California time. Yeah. yeah so, so pretty it's recently. Only... Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for reading up on it and letting us know what's going on. Yeah. Um, so stay tuned. We'll probably have a follow-up story within the uh, the next week about that. Yep. If you yeah. want to hear more, you can always hit us back up. Yeah. And uh, once again, I'd also like to remind you, um, we are having some um, some more discussions today on the show. So if you want to call or text in um, anything just to get involved, um, that number is going to be 970-491-KCSU. Once again, 970-491-5278. I'm going to send it over to um, Katie once again for the Sacramento protests. So earlier last month, on March 18th, uh, 22-year-old Stefan Clark was shot by police officers in Sacramento in his grandmother's backyard after his cell phone was said to be mistaken for a toolbar or gun or some sort of weapon. Officers in the area had been responding to calls about someone breaking car windows in the neighborhood, according to the Sacramento Bee. In the days following the shooting, the Sacramento area has seen many different instances of protest. Officers have taken a few steps back, though, in order to let demonstrators have their voices be heard, according to KCRA Sacramento. Uh, protesters have been mainly calm in nature thus far. Uh, protests have, that have taken place at and near the Golden One Center, where the Sacramento Kings play, um, have delayed the start of two basketball games and prevented many ticket holders from entering the arena after protesters created a chain around the entrances, according to ESPN. And then um, recently on Saturday night, during a demonstration to hold vigil for Clark and to protest the shooting, a 61-year-old woman named Wanda Cleveland, who was there to protest, uh, was struck by a sheriff's vehicle, which caused her to fall to the ground and be transported to a local hospital with minor injuries, reports the Sacramento Bee. Um, it had been reported that Cleveland has previous medical issues, and in response to this incident, Sheriff Scott Jones, who is the uh, sheriff of Sacramento County, blamed professional protesters for the recent violence that has taken place since the shooting, according to USA Today. And at a press conference, um, Sheriff Jones is quoted as saying, Unfortunately, in many protests that have developed into the scope, 
There are many, or there are professional protesters and professional instigators that infiltrate the protests for their own purposes, as well as participants from out of the region that inflame and antagonize the event. The results oftentimes are actions that cause undue scrutiny on the protesters' cause, their message, message and actions in law enforcement. This is what happened here, end quote. So that's quite the stance to take, I think. Yeah. Sacramento seems to be bungling the way they're handling this. They managed to strike a protester. Mm-hmm. Right, and they that's were great. also saying that um, they're, they don't even know if the sheriff was sure that he even struck her before driving what? off which i found hmm. to be kind of baffling like how yeah, do you not do you, know that you yeah. hit a woman how do yeah how do you mess that one up this has been just a really weird case i heard that they uh released the autopsy mm-hmm. um from oh. the, and he had been yep. shot many times in Multiple the back it was like times. it was like, like eight, times? eight times yeah eight times um, eight times i think in one part of his back yeah 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 oh. so you know either he didn't see the cops or he was trying to run away mm-hmm. um and my uh my, my brother actually worked in sacramento at mm-hmm. a tv station he is a photog a uh, photographer there and um he was telling me a little bit more about um what he was experiencing because i think he was there for the autopsy um or at least like got a lot of the information afterwards um and he was just saying that it was just really weird like the police officer said they just saw a shadow and basically started shooting um yeah. which is just not how you should be <laughs> going it's, it's about a, it it's probably a person it's not like slender man or something like that <laughs> yeah like, right yeah yeah come I, on man these are these are trained professionals you yeah. think they they yell rather than shoot first mm-hmm. yeah and i mean that begs a lot of questions as to how exactly officers are being trained if this is an issue that's being come up that's coming up repeatedly yeah um which you know i think there are obviously a lot of racist people out there and that is very possibly a part of it but mm-hmm. you know you it's hard to look at an entire i don't want to say industry but a, a structure of our our governments and just be like well it's individuals who are being bad like we have to look yeah. what is it exactly about our police training here in the u.s that's allowing this situation to present itself over and over and mm-hmm. over yeah for sure um i also have a quick um we uh i got um some audio from my brother um weston he is uh he went live in sacramento and he's been going live at a lot of these protests um so really quick we're just going to play that um and uh get into his report so uh yeah you're listening to the rocky mountain review protests have continued in downtown sacramento today after uh, about two weeks ago the shooting of stefan clark has sparked outrage among the community um, there have been protests every day since that has happened in downtown Sacramento. And we are we are in Sacramento right now um, among the protesters as uh, they've been largely peaceful with a few exceptions. Uh, the other day, uh, Cal- California Highway Patrol struck a protester, um, sending that protester to the hospital with minor injuries. Um, we also had a Kings fan who reportedly was assaulted outside the game. Uh, as you may know, uh, the protesters shut down two of the Sacramento Kings games last week. Uh, then we also have media outlets have been reporting that they have received some assaults, some threats here and there. Uh, nothing too big, but um, it is kind of it is kind of rowdy downtown, uh, and it will continue to be so as about two to three hundred protesters have been downtown uh, protesting since the since the shooting of Stephon Clark, uh, and should continue. They've been largely outside the district attorney's office um, and also outside the Golden One Center. Um, I'll let you listen in right now to see uh, see what we hear.
For the Rocky Mountain Review, I'm West Battleish reporting. And thank you again to uh, Wes for doing that for us. Um, this is my brother, so he's been. He's been <laughs> I had a nice little in there, but um, yeah, he's been he's been doing a lot of like packages and stories on the protests, um, and I think it's just been really crazy downtown in Sacramento. So mm-hmm. um, especially because I've seen a lot of. Um, he posts them, posts a lot of his packages on Facebook, and you can see a lot of um, just people like blocking the streets and like walking, which is uh, like he said. Um, for the most part, seems pretty peaceful. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like we were saying earlier with the officer that, you know, hit that pedestrian with yeah. their car and just drove away. It's just yeah, kind of like, bad. what is going on? I want to see the dash cam footage yeah. from yeah. that I was for gonna, sure. I was going to ask, do the Assuming Sacramento police on. use body right. cams? I believe so. Did they release that footage yet? Um, I th- Oh, no. I talked to my brother about this, too. Um, mm-hmm. He was saying, I think that like it it was weird it was like it it like got muted or something but like hmm. you can't you can see you can see it but it's like muted audio sure which is concerning huh. um because you don't know what they're saying what they're doing really um yeah but yeah i think that there has i, I don't know if it, it's been released to the public or if mm-hmm. it's just like a media thing right um but i mean technically it should be released to the public if it's also yeah. i know there's a lot of police departments that will hold off to release body cam footage until their internal investigations have made a ruling on the situation. Of course, there are, you know, police chiefs and sheriffs who decide to negate that and just release it to clear up the situation. But yeah. This seems like kind of iffy footage. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see how that gets handled once they release it or if they already have how they handled that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um. All right. Well, that is going to wrap up that story. We're going to get to our last story. I'm going to send it over to Judy. Right. It's a double dosage of uh, presidential news. Starting us off, President Donald Trump has suggested he would be deploying U.S. troops along the U.S.-Mexico border to enforce immigration policy until the wall is in place, reports David Jackson of USA Today. Trump stated when questioned by reporters that we're going to be doing this militarily. Until we can have a wall and properly secure and proper security, we're going to be guarding our border with the military. That's a big step. Trump did not outline a detailed plan of action along the, the deployment of the border. However, this is not an unprecedented action, as in 2006, President Bush deployed 6,000 National Guard troops along the border, as well as President Obama in 2010. This follows Trump's anti-immigration rhetoric and represents some of the first steps towards tougher immigration legislation, which Trump currently calls weak laws. Following up on the tariffs, according to Daniel Shane of CNN Money, China is to match the U.S.'s own tariffs in intensity in response. The statement only fuels concerns of irreparable damage between the two largest global economies in the world. The Chinese ambassador to the U.S., Chu Ching. Kai, I apologize if I butchered that, stated in response to President Trump's proposed tariffs that we will certainly take countermeasures of the same proportion and the same scale, same intensity. The tariffs proposed by the Trump administration are aimed to curb the theft of intellectual property within the aerospace technology and machinery industries. Ambassador Chu has defended China's position on intellectual property laws and that China is still hoping for international cooperation when it comes to intellectual property. The potential trade and tariff pushbacks from China and the U.S. are prone only to damage economic growth of both nations, economists have warned. Yeah, it's a little sketchy when it's like, um, 
I don't know. It's like it almost feels like they're just trying to get back at each other. Oh, it's which is yeah. we call this uh, mm-hmm. in in economics. Uh, this is a sort of tit for tat strategy. Oh yeah. You impose tariffs on us. We'll impose tariffs on you. It's it's a it's a stretch of game theory, which definitely seems to be uh, you know playing out exactly as you would expect. If if and not eventually, great. yeah, not great. <laughs> On the plus side, though, the way these games usually play out is that uh, it happens for a little bit. Everybody realizes nobody's winning, and everybody <laughs> stops. So mm-hmm. hopefully that happens. Hopefully we could stop it before it even develops into that situation. Um, the thing I think the thing that I found most startling was the deployment of troops along the border. It seems like a provocative action, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's more to it rather than just immigration. I, mm-hmm. I know that uh, the front runner for the uh, Mexican election is very populist and is uh, stated that he no longer wants to be the quote-unquote pinata of the west hmm. uh so that's it's probably a pushback against that he, he he's definitely got some strong anti-trump rhetoric so this might be a strong arm move to sort of uh be like hey remember this wall you guys are gonna pay for <laughs> i did hear that on npr today that usually they do deploy national guard troops to the border but it looks like he's wanting to deploy other branches of the military to the border yeah which is uh, which is primarily like the biggest yeah. concern because it's like you well, have professional soldiers sorry I'm, yeah I'm no you off. well and a couple of times i mean the last big thing with him and the military and the border was that he wanted to allocate funding from the military to build the wall um and of course in the last budget that they passed they greatly increased the funding to the military and i'm curious if Trump and the Republicans already knew that they were increasing this funding because they were intending on directing it back towards the border. But it is an interesting action because it's kind of something you do if there is some sort of threat of like violence between the two governments. And I don't, it's been a hot sack since Mexico's (laughs) tried to start something on the border with us. It just kind of seems with both of those stories, like it's, you know, the administration looking into situations that that's not great but it's not bad you know could be worse and then he's like great let's blow it up and then it gets a little bit crazy honestly like looking at it in in like a larger global context it just seems like the u.s is really trying to posture itself as like a very strong nation and we'll do all these actions that'll sort of hurt everybody else and we'll go full reckless unless we get our way which I mean, honestly, it sort of reflects the, the type of way that Donald Trump holds himself, and, and he's definitely sticking to his guns on this. Uh, respect for that, not necessarily for the actions and the way they come out. It, it, it seems completely unnecessary, and it seems like a, like a large step in devolving relations with, you mm-hmm. know, one of the two nations we happen to share a border with. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I feel like there's probably a better solution in the working, and I know part of this is in response to there's a like the thousand person Honduran caravan that was coming up, and he's oh, we gotta protect the the U.S. against this influx of refugees and all that. But it, it's not just the U.S. that's taking them. Like uh, Mexico has sort of had its own influx of South American refugees, and in, in, in that, so sort of dumping all the blame on them seems a bit unfair and a bit unrealistic in the way uh, to like handle the situation yeah what i want to know is if this caravan of people from south america makes it to the border and we do have troops on the border is trump planning on blowing away anybody who decides to try to cross Hmm. i believe the strategy is catch and release as terrible of a term as it sounds people not animals um yeah 
So I, I believe with that policy, it's like we we rather catch them and not shoot unless violently provoked, in theory. Uh, I'd, I'd like yeah. to assume that deploying actual troops would have a sort of more structured response than like Border Patrol, which are just slightly better trained police. And that, I think, that might be a gross overstatement. Honestly. Yeah. The mm. other end of interesting military moves that Trump has made in the last couple of days is he has started to talk about pulling our troops out of Syria. Yes, that um, has been too. Yeah, the Pentagon has said that we're in, we're in Syria. The whole point, according to the government, is to fight ISIS. And the Pentagon says we're not even close to being done fighting ISIS. Um, but Trump has started to talk about wanting to pull out of that um, and apparently put them on the American-Mexico border. <laughs> So that's fun. From one front line to another? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> question mark? <laughs> that was exactly what I, I was going to be like, question mark? <laughs> yeah. it, it seems ridiculous, and I obviously don't understand the full intricacies <laughs> of global international relations, but from somebody looking, you know, outward and, and, and as it happens, like, at home, it seems just strange. It's It seems like, as I've said before, like, completely unnecessary. It's a lot of aggressive moves against international players. I mean, I was listening to, I'm trying to think if it was the New York Times or if it was NPR, but they were talking about how um, basically what happened with the tariffs in China, because they have imposed tariffs on American goods, um, and not most of the stuff that we ship a lot of to them, but it's kind of symbolic. And they had talked about wanting to do that if Trump didn't back off of the tariffs that he was thinking about opposing against Chinese imports, um, which, according to the um, podcast or whatever I was, was listening it to this morning, it might have been this I morning. I think I was listening to the Daily this morning, and mm. sounds like yeah, this is what they're saying. And yeah. they were talking about how. The U.S., Trump hasn't really put the tariffs against China that he was planning on into motion through the process that it needs to go through. Um, so it's interesting to see him kind of making these aggressive, you know, economic threats. And China responds saying, you know, we're not going to take this. We're just going to put tariffs against you right now. Um, so it'll be kind of interesting to see how that economics kind of arms race goes between two massive yeah, no. players in all fairness mm. though china does they they're they're pretty good about copying intellectual property like when foreign companies come they have to mm. like sign agreements with the chinese government to sort of disclose all the technology behind it uh which is kind of it's kind of a bit ridiculous i don't know if i were a company and i sort of had for lack of a better term a monopoly on a particularly cool technology and i was like ah oh, the cheapest place of operations is china i don't think i would want to disclose uh, the necessary information for that, which is why you sort of see a lot of Chinese knockoffs and goods. It's good for consumers. It allows us a, a very wide market to sort of choose from. But from the standpoint of like a business owner, it can be pretty detrimental, especially if this product that you sort of had an edge in making is now suddenly being, you know, flooding the market with substantially inferior products, decreasing the uh, the, the branding and the capacity behind mm -hmm. that. So that's, that's a big problem with, uh, you know, intellectual property. And the U.S. has been sort of had, having a lot of that stolen recently, which is, I know, big pushback. Mm -hmm. We also uh, got a text in. Um, this was back to uh, what we were talking about with Mexico. Um, and they said that our military is so strong and well-funded that the only thing that um, we shouldn't be afraid of as far as our borders are concerned is other militaries. Yeah. Yeah. No, which, it, yeah. yeah. It, it's a... It's a military force. We have border control for a reason. Mm -hmm. It yeah. seems a bit extraneous to deploy, you know, the guys that are 
supposed to be fighting wars and, and defending mm-hmm. the nation against, you know, people crossing illegally, seems. Push come to shove, if there were some sort of military conflict at the U.S.-Mexico border, there would really be no question as to who would win that conflict unless Mexico is keeping some big secrets from us. Um, I think really wanting to put military troops, not just the National Guard, but actual, you know, overseas deployed troops on the border, um, it's it's a kind of symbolic thing to do, and it's very aggressive because, like, you know, our texter inner said, <laughs> the only thing we really have to worry about is somebody actually coming up into Texas with some tanks and, like, starting stuff, yeah. which is not gonna happen yeah it's yeah. it's a bunch of foreign you know saber rattling we're look at us we're real strong we're real big don't don't mess with us mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna get our way you know yeah. north korea yeah. is a really good example of them continually doing this uh mm-hmm. you look at last year with all their uh various ballistic missile test and nuclear test it's all sort of strong arming them to sort of get their way and if you look now they're definitely taking an approach that's much more diplomatic mm-hmm. and it hasn't gotten them very far yeah so well, a lot of the strong, strong arming, wow, that we've done <laughs> in the last five or ten years has been with governments, militaries that kind of pose a threat to us. There's kind of a questionable threat from North Korea, China, Russia, but I don't think when you think of military powers that might be able to take the U.S., you think of Mexico. Mexico, I, It seems like kind of a weird, I mean, I, I think I understand why he picked Mexico. Mm-hmm. But if it's a I'm weird one to go with. Not so, mistaken, they're part of the they're part of NATO, which completely oh, yeah. defeats the purpose of like NATO. If you're going to end up like, ah ha ha, we don't trust you anymore in our <laughs> defensive alliance. <laughs> yeah. The action's a bit <laughs> unprecedented, as we've seen a lot of unprecedented things. I think throughout the current administration it's just been a theme yeah i just think Mm -hmm. maybe the military has better stuff to do around the world and maybe better things to do with their money like i thought it was interesting (laughs) i thought it was interesting during the whole government shutdown thing um the whole line was that the military really need the money because their equipment was out of date or breaking down Um, and i do have a couple of people i know in the military who have said that they do have some equipment that's out of date or needs some work and that was the reason why they're increasing the budget so much and why they needed to pass it but then they kind of turned around and were like but here's all these things we want you to do with the money instead of doing that thing we talked about Hmm. yeah and I, i think a lot of that comes down internally to the way the the military has their budget appropriated there are like the nuclear missiles are a phenomenal example of this our nuclear arsenal is very old there's a lot of very dated tech talking about eight tracks still running yeah. nukes that's scary just feel like you ought to have something there i mean there is an incentive to keep it, it sort of makes it unhackable but also at the same time <laughs> there's a certain amount of failure that comes along with older technologies yeah. let alone replacing and maintaining them well yeah a lot of the money that goes into the military isn't necessarily just like pay people and do what the pentagon thinks they need to do with the money but are like actual purchases mm-hmm. oh, yeah. like a lot of police departments around the united states have a ton of military equipment because the government has contracts with the people who build them and say, cool, we're just going to keep buying tanks from you, even though the Pentagon has like come on record and been like, we do not need any more tanks. Stop making tanks. Mm-hmm. But they're like, no, we're going to give you a bunch of tanks, and that accounts for a lot of their budget. Just stuff that like the military doesn't really need, isn't asking for, is actually asking them to stop paying for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that budget is kind of tied up in government contracts. So, yeah. you know, they thought they were going to get all this money to 
fix stuff and you know that's kind of up in the air now another part along with that is is like the way budgets are appropriated within the military it's like you either if you don't spend all of what you're allotted you're very much prone to end up having your budget cut which if there's any type of case where you would need additional budget you want to have that continued like oh hey we need these expenditures so you ought you tend to see a lot of extraneous purchases like surplus Uh, goods and vehicles and yeah. well, uh, no. a, a good example that uh, I've heard a lot of time from various airmen is oh it's the end of the year we have our, our our budget cycles coming around I feel like we could use six more coffee pots in the office yeah and the way that kind of dynamic between what people in the military and what the Pentagon is hoping to allocate funds towards and what Congress is allowing them to allocate funds towards is a really it's an interesting dynamic within the government but I, it, it's interesting to see how this administration is handling that dynamic, um, and I'm curious to see how well they understand it or are communicating it to the president. I hmm. think a lot of this has been delegated to Defense Secretary Jim Mattis, hmm. and he's much he's much more familiar with it. But at this point, I think we're going to wrap up the segment and sort of move on to music from our uh, field reporter, Seth Bodine, not reporting on music, or not reporting on fields, <laughs> not, but not on music. <laughs> Where he doesn't do music, but he's not reporting it's on it. his field segment on music. <laughs> he did it in a field. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we're actually going to come to that uh, right after a quick break um, because we've been on air for a long time. So, um, yeah, stay tuned. We'll be back here in just a second with our music segment as well as uh, weather. Um, I think done by J.D. Layton, so... I will be your replacement meteorologist. Mm-hmm. Looking I forward to it. clouds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You are <laughs> listening to the Rocky Mountain Review, only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. KCSU, Chippers Lanes, and the Mishawaka Amphitheater presenting Amorphic and Mountainous, part of the Spotlight Artist Series. They're playing Thursday, April 19th, 10 p.m., located at Chippers Lanes on College Avenue. Bowl, play, and eat while listening to live music. A single ember from a wildfire can travel over a mile. You can't control where it lands, only what happens before it does. Simple steps to adapt to wildfire helps keep this from turning into this. Your home is better protected from wildfire when your whole community is prepared. Visit fireadapted.org for tips to get started today. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. Only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm JD. I'm a the national news correspondent. It's true. I do have a last name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, future, future news director. I'm joined in studio by Julie Battelis, current news director, as Sweet. well as Katie Otter, our reporter, and our local community correspondent, Raven Kohler. Yeah. How's everybody doing? Good, good. How are you? It's a good collective. <laughs> you did it. How are you feeling being in the studio with uh, all females right now? Uh, like I'm doing the news. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that sentence was done. Yeah, yeah I was like, sure. It was a period. I, I, I should have enunciated. I was worried more. there for a sec what the next thing you were going to say <laughs> yeah. was. I was like, you're. 
Okay, the news. <laughs> I'm doing the news. <laughs> He's so, like, that's all it is here. Moving on, we have a lovely uh, music segment done by our very own field reporter, Seth Bodine. It's on Typhoon, and I believe it is a pre-record, so sure is. take it away. All right, uh, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Thank you to Seth for doing that uh, Rocky Mountain music segment this week, um, or I guess Tuesday. It's not for this week. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we are going. I'm going to send it over to JD. Our, I guess you're. You just take over for Gabe when he's gone. So now you're also the meteorologist. Uh, yes, I am the junior apprentice meteorologist <laughs> here at uh, 90.5 KCSU. And you guys already know what Tuesday is like. You can go outside. You can feel the weather on your skinsies. Uh, but you want to know what Wednesday is going to be like. Well, boy, oh boy, do I have a surprise for you. It's going to be cloudy. with Slightly cloudy. With a high of 63. <laughs> did you just say, did you, I'm sorry, did you just say cloudy with slightly cloudy? It's cloudy with a slight chance of cloudiness. Um, <laughs> but it'll have a high of 63, so you know, it'll be kind of a nice spring day. With a low of 37, it's a little chilly in the morning and night, but what to expect? It's Colorado. But you guys want to know what's going on Thursday, too. Well, it's going to have a high of 63 and a low of 22 degrees. That is not the right day. It is going to be a low of 36 degrees. Wow, you could just go ahead and take a uh, one Fahrenheit off of the previous two, and then that's what you've got the same day, pretty much exact same weather. So you're looking at two days of clouds with slightly cloudiness. I love when you do the weather. It's just everywhere. And Do you want to know what the wind's going to be like? Because it's going to be 18 miles an hour oh, on why? Wednesday and 12 miles an hour on Thursday. That's super lame. So That's fire danger, baby. Don't wear <laughs> anything too baggy or you may be taken away in life like a kite. Sounds kind of <laughs> or fun. Or that. Yeah. Actually. Yep. But JD, I'm dying to know, what is your favorite type of cloud? Um, cumulonimbus, actually. Wow. What lovely clouds. Do you just know that from up? <laughs> no. Actually, I didn't even know that they mentioned the words cumulonimbus in up. All I can think about is just how sad that movie's intro makes me feel. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> We're like, okay, JD, let's uh, turn your mic off and move on to the fact that we are done here. Oh, no, um, it's not off yet. We're going to get there, though, if you keep pushing me. Um, (laughs) Anyway, thank you to our reporters. We are wrapping up the Rocky Mountain Review. Um, Thank you to Bjorn Larson for coming on earlier for sports, as well as uh, doing his... um a bit of a it's a thing with the news. He wrote a story. Yes, he did. There you go. Um, also, <laughs> thank you to my brother, Wes, uh, Wes Battleese, for um, doing a bit of a little uh, side report for the Sacramento protests that have been going on. Um, thank you again to Seth Bodine for doing our music segment today, um, as well to Raven Color for coming on kind of last minute, I yeah. guess, um, and as well to Katie Otter for also coming on last minute uh, <laughs> and killing it with uh, all the discussions today. Thank you to um, our national news correspondent, J.D. Layton, as well as our future news director. Um, And thank you, Julia, our current news director. I won't let you thank yourself, because that's just sad and shameless. (laughs) (laughs) 
who cares? Um, <laughs> the people do. Oh my god. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening. You can tune back in on Thursday. We will. Uh, I won't be here, but we will uh, also have the Rocky Mountain review then. Uh, the Rocky Mountain review is every thir- Tuesday and Thursday, four to five p.m. Um, so yeah, make sure to stu- um, make sure to tune in. You are listening to ninety point five KCSU Fort Collins.